0: Listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Whenever we hear a familiar parable on a warm Sunday night, on any Sunday night, it's important to see if we can't peel away our assumptions as to its meaning, and then try to hear it as if for the first time. In a sense, that's the challenge that's embedded in Jesus' words, let anyone with ears listen. Zen T. Wright observes, with these words, Jesus was essentially saying, this isn't obvious, you're going to have to think about it. Jesus wanted them to struggle with what he was saying, to talk about it among themselves, to think it through. And not just them either, but every reader, every hearer across the centuries is invited to wrestle in parables. Now, our reading of this gospel tonight actually omits eight verses of text. which obscures the fact that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke... It's actually presented in three fairly distinct steps. First comes the parable itself, and that's spoken very publicly to a crowd on the beach. The second step, the one that we didn't hear, comes as the disciples later ask Jesus why he speaks in parables. The third step is his explanation of this parable to those disciples, in the context of telling them why he uses this particular way of teaching. Now, given our familiarity with this parable, I mean, the Bible Society has an image of the sower casting seed. We know what the parable's about, right? We might be inclined to think, Wow, man, were those disciples dense. I mean, the meaning of this story of the sower and the seeds is so obvious. How could they possibly need an explanation? After all they'd already seen, all they'd already heard, how is it that they're still so thick? Of course, in the Gospels, the disciples do often come off as being rather dense, even peculiarly gifted at completely missing the point. As the musician Nick Cave reflects, these disciples, who we would hope would absorb some of Christ's brilliance, seem to be in a perpetual fog of misunderstanding, following Christ from scene to scene with little or no comprehension of what is going on. Yet, to be fair, if you back up and read just the parable, just the piece he tells on the beach, maybe it isn't all that surprising. But the disciples needed a little bit of interpretive help. As Jesus spoke to the crowd on the beach, he just jumps straight into his story. Listen, a sower went out to sow. Then he tells of how scattered seed fell on four different kinds of soil or ground, only one of which yielded a good harvest. Aside from that closing line, let anyone with ears listen, That's kind of all he tells. The sower sows four different kinds of ground, only one bears fruit. Let those who have ears hear. With no other context, what were those poor disciples to think about this little tale of how the seed and the ground interact? It's only through his explanation to them in private that they might begin to make a bit of sense out of it. The context is the word of the kingdom and how that word really needs to take root in order to do its work. The path, the rocky ground, in the thorns, it's impossible for a growing plant to actually root, so it withers or it's choked out or the seed is eaten by birds. When it does take root, however, the yield is serious. In one case, a hundredfold. In another, 60. In another, 30. The word of the kingdom has gone to work. Now, that's making a little more sense to them, dense as they might be. And truth be told, many of us probably have seen or experienced pieces of what Jesus is speaking about here. Whenever I read that bit about the seed that fell on the rocky ground as representing, quote, the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. I can't help but think of people who had real blazing mountaintop experiences, or maybe the equivalent of a kind of a foxhole conversion. You know, get me out of this mess and I'll follow you but never actually had the support or the community to help them take the next steps to go deeper. The kind of steps that maybe aren't quite so flashy as the mountaintop or so urgent as the foxhole, where the spiritual rush maybe isn't quite so immediate. It happens. Incidentally, I think it's an issue that belongs as much to the church as to the individual, in a sense, we're the ones who need to clear the rocks off the soil so that the mountaintop doesn't become the only positive experience of faith. Here's the question, though. Who is the sower? If the word is the word of the kingdom, who, who is the sower? Is Jesus speaking of himself, of his own work, of proclaiming the word of the kingdom? Is he perhaps by extension also speaking of the work of the disciples who just three chapters earlier had been sent out to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near? Maybe he's making a point here that they are supposed to spread that word widely, letting it fall where it may. Their job is to sow the seed, not to make the judgments about the soil quality. The same way that Jesus was speaking his word to everyone, from pious Pharisees to prostitutes and tax collectors, they were to do the same sort of thing, scatter the seed. Of course, would anyone for a minute have believed that the word took deep root in the heart of the prostitutes and the tax collectors? That in the end, it is the least likely people who turned out to be the good soil? No. So scatter the seed. I like that way of thinking about the parable, in part because it challenges us to, to resist reading it as being in any way a kind of a baseball bat of judgment. It's out of bounds for us to say who is ineligible to receive the word equally out of bounds to look at someone else or maybe some other church tradition or denomination and say, well, clearly that soil is a bit thin. You know that drill, right? In the long history of Roman Catholics and Protestants dismissing the other as being thorny ground or rocky ground or just plain pavement. How about within the Mennonite world in which the Mennonite brethren... And the general conference so easily dismissed one another in a way that something like Canadian Mennonite University would have been all but unimaginable until just a couple of decades ago. Nope, the parable would seem to suggest nope, that's out of bounds. Judging the quality of the soil is not your job. As best you can, scatter the seed. There's another way, though, of looking at the figure of the sower. That might just give us a different angle on things. From Robert Ferrer Capon. Who sees Jesus as a sower. As being fine enough. As far as it goes. Not, a, not a, 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 an iniquitous or problematic interpretation of the parable. But he suggests it just might be more fruitful. To see Jesus as being the seed. After all Capon reasons if the seed is the word of the kingdom, and if in the gospel according to John, Jesus is proclaimed as the word, the word made flesh, the word who dwelt among us, and as the grain of wheat that falls into the earth and dies, and through dying bears much fruit, then this is maybe a promising way. Of receiving the symbolism of the seed. In part, what it does is to remind us that in becoming incarnate, in God becoming incarnate in Christ, He's actually sowing Him through the whole of the world, not simply into the lives of those who happen to be there to hear Him teach or to witness the resurrection. Or not simply even one of those who'd heard from his followers across the ages as they told of his life, death, and resurrection. No. The seed is tossed prodigiously, almost promiscuously, everywhere in the world in the whole creative order. That's what the incarnation means. And so, Robert Capon adds, have we not acted as if the word wasn't anywhere until we got there with them? Haven't we conducted far too many missions on the assumption that we were bringing Jesus to the heathen? When in fact all we had to bring was the good news of what the Word, who was already there, had done for them. Hmm. Which presses us into a reading or a hearing of this ever-so-familiar parable, now stripped of both any sign of judgmentalism or even the faintest whiff of superiority, don't go talking or thinking about what kind of soil George is or Murray is or Adeline is. That's not your business. That's their business. We are to look at anyone else and judge the quality of their soil nor are we to imagine that we have the corner on the control of spreading the Word. The Word has been sown into the world. In the Incarnation, the Word, that grain of wheat, has been utterly, fully sown. So maybe what this parable calls is for us to pay attention to the soil of our own hearts and then to live and to talk and to walk in such a way that the seed that has been sown, the great good news, actually looks like great good news to those we encounter. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.